Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Listen, the first time we had this guy on, I knew that this is a guy I need to get back on as quickly as possible. So it is with all joy that I have the one and only, the legendary Martin Seif is with us, the man, the myth, the legend himself. And for those that don't know, he is the author of The Politically Incorrect Guide to the Middle East. He's also the author of The Shifting Superpowers, the U.S.-China India Relationship in the 21st Century. And the upcoming, I think also, you just put out Cycles of Change, right? Yes, but it's, I'm still looking for a hard copy publisher for it. It's available through Amazon on Kindle. It's a history of political history of the United States from 1800, from Thomas Jefferson to Barack Obama. And there are reasons I didn't start with George Washington, and there are reasons I didn't go on to Donald Trump or Joe Biden. Really, neither of them was president yet when I wrote it. Sure. But it basically explains the crisis we're in today in the context of American history. No, we no. have been here before. Exactly. And Martin, I'm glad you said that because folks that don't know also, okay, Martin was the chief news analyst for the United Press International. He's also the former managing editor editor for international affairs. He's received three Pulitzer Prize nominations for international reporting. He's covered conflicts in the native Northern Ireland, Israel, the West Bank, Indonesia, Bosnia, Azerbaijan, Georgia, the Baltic states. He's also reported from China, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Kazakhstan, Japan, Malaysia, Singapore, Syria, Egypt, Jordan, Kuwait. Turkey, and 40 more other countries. Martin is also, he led the UPI's political coverage of, 2000, of the 2000 presidential elections, the 2004, the 2008. Uh, he, this guy's done it all. He was the chief foreign correspondent for the Washington Times from 1994 to 1999. He was the paper's Soviet and Eastern European correspondent covering the collapse of communism for six years, from 1986 to 1992, and from 1992 to 1994, it's State Department correspondent. Martin's also been a columnist for the Globalist since 2002. He's appeared as an expert for Asian security affairs with, and, and the Middle East uh, and, on, and on National Public Radio, the Fox News Channel, C-SPAN. He's done it all. This guy is an idol of mine. I love Martin. I love his work. Martin, it's my honor and my humble privilege to have you on, man. It's, it's a blessing. Man, I'm the one feeling privileged to be on with you guys. You're the future of freedom. You're the future of journalism. You're the future of free speech. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Martin, there's so many things going on. Tomorrow, America wakes up, and we will find out if we have a functioning democracy or we don't. 
We're going to find out if we have a country or we don't, or we have a banana republic. Things are heating up again in Russia, Ukraine. In fact, there might be some cooling from what I'm hearing is the New York Times and has leaked out that there was a, 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 you know, a few U.S. correspondents that are egging the Europe, the, that are egging the Ukrainians to come to some sort of a peace talk with Russia. Things are heating up in this Korean Peninsula on the 38th parallel yet again, as well as what's happening in the South China Sea. There's so much going on, Martin. So where do you want to start? Oh, it's a terrifying thing. I mean, I guess we should start at home because a crucial thing is we need to have our democracy. And for me, the problem is our political dialogue, our election system is in such a mess that whatever the outcome is, half the country on either side will not accept it. Half the country on either side will not accept it. And how we rebuild trust, how we rebuild a national consensus, we have to. And I don't know how. And the mainstream media are not trying to bridge the gap. They are opening the gap further and further. There has to be respect and dialogue between both sides. And there is none. And this is dire. When I was writing uh, Cycles of Change which uh, from 2012 to 2015, and I had to self-publish it in 2015 because not us in our great, uh, brilliantly intellectual nation, uh, not a single publisher or agent could be found to carry it anywhere in the United States of America. Nowhere. Mm-hmm. Nowhere. And what was I warning at the end of the book? That the divisions already opening up in this country in 2015, before Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump had even come on the political scene, either way, were going to be the worst at the very least since the Great Depression. And the division in this country already at that point, I warned, was greater than it had been since the outbreak of the Civil War. I agree wholeheartedly. I think when I look at it, I, I you know I agree with you as well, Martin, because... I sometimes think, right, I sometimes think if Trump have never been president, if we had somebody who had, I don't know, the political finesse, a little bit more tact and a little bit and, and, and less a little more tact and a little less tweeting would be would we be as divided as we are today or has those divisions already been there because of decades of this programming that has been occurring? What's your take? Oh, I'm so pleased you asked that question. I answer it in my 2015 book, Cycles of Change. And again, anyone out there, get me a publisher and I'll update it for you in the next six years, within a month, within weeks, within days. It's more relevant now than it was when it came out because I pointed out in that book, there have been six separate eras of American history and there have been definitive charismatic leaders who shaped every one of those eras. They've all been presidents. We know who they are. Thomas Jefferson, Andrew Jackson, Abraham Lincoln, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, who to some degree, much of the credit that he took belonged to his assassinated predecessor, William McKinley, yeah. the great Franklin Ro- D. Roosevelt himself. And then, of course, Ronald Reagan. And we are overdue for the next But I also point out in the book that each of these figures had prophetic precursors. There are political figures who saw the future, ran too soon, and were politically crushed and humiliated. But everything that they stood for came true within the next 10 to 15 years. And who were these people? Well, you could argue... uh, 
In 1800, it's not that clear. You could say it might have been Patrick Henry. In 1824, it was Andrew Jackson himself who had the 1824 presidential election stolen from him. And stolen elections by either Republicans or Democrats are not new in American history. Right. We don't usually have them, but we have had them before and more than once on either side. And one way or another, we've been able to bridge those gaps, except, of course, in 1860, which brought on the greatest catastrophe in American history, the Civil War. But in 1856, nobody now remembers John Fremont, but he was the first National Republican Party candidate for presidency campaigning against slavery. Yes. And he went down in flames and everybody thought that was the end of the abolitionist movement and the movement to restructure the United States. But no, we saw what happened in 1860. And people also forget Abraham Lincoln was not elected as candidate in the convention in Chicago in 1860 as an extremist candidate. He was elected because he was seen as a more moderate bridging candidate. He wasn't moderate enough for the slavers and for the southern secessionists in the south. Nobody could be moderate enough for them. But he was actually elected because he was not Henry Seward, because he was not seen as a quote-unquote extreme abolitionist. But I think uh, you know a, a, a frozen his internet. Yeah, I think his audio went out. Let's see if it comes back. Martin, are you still there? You, you, let me ping him in Telegram. See yeah, nice Telegram open. You you froze. I'm I'm pinging him right now. Okay, Martin, you froze. Very interesting intake though in regards to um, some <clears throat> big figureheads that shaped and changed U.S. politics. V. Martin is a serious brain trust, man. I mean, this guy is so accomplished. It's like, it's incredible. It's incredible. His, his Buena Fides, is, it, it reads like the, the what's what and the who's who. It's incredible. This guy's done it all. This guy's an absolute wellspring of knowledge, and I'm going to do whatever I can to help him try to find a publisher. That book is very important. Let me see. All right, I should be coming back on. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Okay. All right. Shout out to everyone in the chat room. Thank you for being online with us. Revolutionary Bliss, Kevin, proud Texas lady. Everyone's gearing up for tomorrow. V getting ready for the massive midterms. I heard some earlier predictions. Um, what do you think? Listen. You think the Democrats hold or they lose both? I don't. I don't think that they can. I think that you know the early polling numbers that are coming out, <clears throat> which obviously have uh, tainted. Uh, some of the the predictions, I I, I think it's going to be a landslide. Um, it'll be interesting to see which states try to withhold uh, the results or the news agencies that get involved to say it's too early to predict. We can't we can't call it yet, B. We have to wait till tomorrow. Oh, here comes Martin. <laughs> there he is. Okay. Welcome back, Martin. Yes, there you go, Martin. Now I'm on the show. Thank you, okay. guys. Um, did, I don't think I got to 1928 and 1932. No. In Everyone knows Franklin Roosevelt won the 1932 election by a landslide over Herbert Hoover because, right. uh, because of the catastrophe of the Great Depression. 
What nobody remembers is that most of the policies that FDR ran on in 1932 had been pushed by his predecessor in 1928, his, his friend at the time, and also a governor of New York before he was, New York State, and that was Governor Al Smith. Now, poor Al Smith got nowhere in 1928. He was Irish, he was a Catholic, and as a result, half the country was brainwashed into thinking that he was going to bring the Spanish Inquisition into the United States of America, when all exactly. he wanted to do was to, uh, 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 to spread prosperity around the country. In fact, Smith became a conservative critic of Roosevelt himself in later years. But the point is, he ran too soon. We had the same situation in 1964 with Barry Goldwater. Yes. Everything that Ronald Reagan championed 16 years later, Goldwater is fighting for in 1964. He goes down in flames before Lyndon Johnson. It looks like the liberal consensus of the day will last forever. But then we had Vietnam, then we had race riots, then we had the great inflation. The country changed. Wow, Why is that so relevant familiar. now? Because... Donald Trump should have been Al Smith, should have been General John Fremont. And I say this in my book, I explain it, because he saw the future better than anyone else, but he came too soon. Mm. There were Democrats and the old Republican establishment should have been able to defeat Donald Trump in 2016, but he was too good a candidate for them. They underestimated him, and they were idiotic enough to run Hillary Clinton after her 2008 fiasco when she was flattened in the race for the Democratic nomination by Barack Obama, who was a very able candidate. You can criticize a lot of what President Obama did or did not do as president. I think he was very constrained in the position, too. But what you have to acknowledge is that Hillary Clinton is one of the most eminent political leaders in America since since 1993, since she was first lady, mm -hmm. should have been able to flatten, and everyone accepted that she was the absolute dictator of the Democratic Party. And she could not flatten a uh, neophyte first term Senate, young senator from the state of Illinois because he knew how to run campaigns and, uh, be, uh, and he, he had an attractive personality to people, and she most certainly did not. But as a result, in 2016, when she did one, she made the same mistake against President Trump. Mm -hmm. She didn't think he would be a problem. He was the candidate that she wanted to run against. But because she messed it up so much, President Trump won when he was supposed to lose. When I say supposed to lose, I do not mean that there was a conspiracy that he should lose. No, what I mean is that if you look at the patterns of American politics going all the way back, even you could argue to Aaron Burr in 1800 or earlier than that, and certainly to Jefferson's triumph in the Electoral College in 1800, the pattern of American politics indicated that Trump was not uh, the kind of man who wins presidencies. He's the kind of man who puts a new agenda on the table and transforms the agenda, but is too divisive and is too polarizing and is arguably too prophetic to actually get elected. You need a cooler head. Uh, you need somebody who appears to be a moderate centrist, mm -hmm. which... Uh, 
actually, in, uh, 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 there was a divided views on Jefferson on this. Nobody thought that Jackson was a moderate, but he turned out to be, well, not a moderate at all, a very canny and cunning and skillful political operator during his eight years and two terms as president of the United States. And we all know the outstanding political intellect Abraham Lincoln had, which he was not expected to have. And everybody underestimated Franklin Roosevelt and Ronald Reagan, and for that matter, Dwight Eisenhower, too, to become a successful president of the United States, especially in times of crisis. It helps to be regarded as an idiot when you are not one. President Reagan understood this. FDR, not an idiot, but certainly could put on an amiable facade. Eisenhower is fascinating because there is a book written by a very fine political scientist. I forget me online. You could look it up. It's called The Hidden Hand Presidency. The Hidden Hand Presidency. Mm -hmm. And it documented long after Eisenhower was out of office and long after he had died, how he faked his appearance. He wasn't lying as such, but he liked to come across as this lovable amiable, rather stupid figure. Remember, he'd been the commander of the Allied armies that defeated Nazi Germany. But as president, he seemed to be this amiable old fellow who simply loved to play golf. He was anything but. He was brilliant, ruthless, demanding. He had two serious heart attacks in office from overwork. And he hid all this from the public. He was also a chain smoker, incidentally. Uh, so uh, far from being easygoing, he was very tense and wound up and filled with nervous energy. But he knew what he was doing, but he knew he could only succeed with the American public if he projected himself as a reassuring father figure to everyone. Now, here we have uh, the, the skill sets are divided. Joe Biden superficially appears to be a reassuring father figure. I welcomed this when he was running. I wasn't even supporting him, but I welcomed the reassuring image that, and when he won or was acclaimed as having won, I hoped this would uh, help, he would then help divide the huge gaps in the country. Of course, he did nothing of the sort. He simply has uh, allowed the gaps to become wider than ever. He is one of the most partisan presidents in our history, far more so than even Donald Trump was. And as you said, Trump had the great problem. If you look at his economic policies, some of them are very irresponsible, like increasing the huge deficit he'd inherited from his two predecessors. And by the way, Republicans and Democrats working together had eliminated our deficit at the beginning of this century. And who were the two great unsung heroes who did this? They were two people who in many respects personally were sleazeballs. They were President Bill Clinton for the Democrats and Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich for the Republicans. And they didn't even like or trust each other. But they worked wonderfully well together for the good of the country. And that's what we need to get back to. Yeah, absolutely. Who do you see as a candidate? Uh, you know, a lot of people like Ron DeSantis. They, they, they you know, uh, there, there is a, uh, a view that DeSantis is like Trump, but but without the baggage. I tend to I agree with that. <laughs> yes, DeSantis is interesting because I'm not sure. DeSantis right now is the most likely figure who objectively fits my profile. I don't think he wants to be a president of radical change, but neither did Franklin Roosevelt. Mm -hmm. 
And certainly neither did Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln never dreamed he was going to uh, inherit or even have start the Civil War. He was looking to bridge the gap. And even when the war began, he thought that the North could whistle up its soldiers and it could take over the South immediately. Re remember, these were the days before mass communications, before a great deal of travel. In fact, mass communications were just starting. The electric telegraph had been a reality in America for only 20 years when the Civil War began. It was the same with the rail. I think we, uh, I think Martin's, uh, internet cut out again. Yeah, hopefully he'll be back. Was it tight? Yep. Amazing. It's like the patterns keep repeating themselves, Siege. Well, and, you know, in, in, in oh, yeah, they do. The pattern's repeating himself, but, uh, you know, part of the, uh, the, the thing that's interesting that, you know, in regards to that, that debt restructuring that uh, Clinton was able to do, I believe, part of the reason that championed that was that uh, for whatever reason, Clinton, uh, you know, was able to uh, work both sides of the aisle very effectively, right? Yeah, Up well, until the whole Willie was, um, um, yeah, he was a, he's, he was a maestro. Because it was, I believe, a Republican-led... Both Senate. House and Congress, House and Senate during that time period, yeah. Yeah, so, Congress, really. yeah Senate and Congress was held by the Republicans at that time. That's when they had the the contract for America, and it was, and they got it done. They 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 you know they cut the deficit, and they were able to uh, and America prospered. I mean, we had a nice little economic boom out of that. Yeah, we do have some breaking news that we can kind of share. There's a sure. lot of speculation, uh, V, that tonight uh, in his Ohio stump. Let me add this to the stream real quick. Again, this is. You know, just breaking on a few news outlets that Trump tonight is uh, is really wanting to go ahead and announce his candidacy for president as he'll be running the stump in Ohio at a campaign stop there this evening. So uh, confidence close. I'm, I'm reading this real quick. Confidence close to Trump. Believe he's chomping at the bit and could expedite the, his timetable for debuting his comeback bid in tonight's rally in Ohio, uh, where he'll be stumping for Republicans in a hopeful. J.D. Vance and others, according to Axios reporter Jonathan Swan. So we will see. Interesting. Martin, are you there? Hey, Martin. He could still be talking. Let me hit him in Twitch real quick, not knowing yeah. that he's or I'm sorry, not Twitch. Uh, Telegram. Uh, tell yeah, let me let me ping him real quick and let him know. Maybe tell him just uh, maybe, maybe it's his videos hogging up his. Uh, yeah. Can just tell him to deactivate the video. Join and also shut down. Video. Video. Only. Where's his niece when when we need her? Was it his niece or the daughter? <laughs> I think his daughter. Day? His daughter. His daughter. Where's his daughter when we need her? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think if I have any apps open that we could call him. Also, uh, no, just Telegram. Uh, you want you can call on a, on his number. I have his number. Here, I'll put it on private chat. Well, I don't. I don't know how I could bring it into the stream though. That'd be. Let me see if I. No, have you it. call him directly, man. Call him on your cell phone here. Yeah, I'm still on the cell phone oh, here, guys. Oh, there he I'm is. Not <laughs> trusting the other communication. Not okay. a problem, Martin. You cut out for uh, a little bit of time. Uh, I think about a minute and a half. Um, we, we, you just talked about Ron DeSantis fitting your profile. Sure. Uh, Ron DeSantis fits my profile this way. First, he is already a governor. That's very important. Not all, but uh, uh, more pres successful presidents have come to the presidency and won the uh, nomination of their parties through being governor than any other way. Most senators don't do it. Joe Biden learned how not to be a president in the Senate. Most people do. The great
I, I think he he hung himself up. There it went. There it went. Martin, come back. Yeah, I pinged him on. In. I pinged him on. Cool. Okay, let me see. Let me open up my this phone. This is phone. This is phone right there. That's his phone number that I just texted you, Siege. All right, let me. Folks, let me... we will. We will. We will. Hold get tight, everyone. This. Don't go anywhere. Don't go. Keep it locked and loaded right here. We're gonna get through this tremendously. It's gonna be tremendous. You know, I think while well, CJ's doing that, I think Trump running, he's trying to undermine DeSantis, man. It's tough to understand, right? I mean, from a competitive standpoint. Well, he standpoint, called him on his last rally, CJ. He called his last rally, he called him Ron DeSanctimonious. I'm like, Ron DeSantis' <laughs> record is impeccable. He knows how to fight. He knows how to govern like this guy. Yeah, but Trump did no differently through the entire process of of uh you know when he originally ran right like every every person that was out there he spoke bad about that's just kind of his trademark that's like you know trademark. you know that's just that's just what he does that's his branding so i don't i don't fault him for that i mean yeah. if ted cruz if, if he can call ted what do he call ted cruz's wine ted what but what do he call like a mutt didn't he call her a mutt or something like that what did somebody look it up? What did Trump oh, call forgot, Ted Cruz's man. wife? He 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 said something. Oh and, my god, yeah. Some, <laughs> <did you, laughs> and on the view, on the view, they asked him about that. Uh, Ted Cruz, bless his heart, he was he was brave enough to go on the view, and they asked him like, "How can you get past that? How could you do that?" And he's like, "You know, Ted Cruz, like I went back and talked to my wife, and we laughed and we giggled and we get over it, but we got to do what's best for our country. We 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 saw past that." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let me oh someone a pig no someone called someone that was um pig with lipsticks was that was that with the alaska was that sarah palin that said that or it's called sarah palin that gosh we're going way back, oh, way back. i don't know there's so many insults i can't even keep track of it all hey I, I i gave you his phone number you want to try calling him yeah i will i'm just hoping they can pipe in uh i oh shoot hang on beep, beep, ba, ba, ba. I've never used the the link thing to to Windows. I mean, it should it should work if I make a call from here, right? Like, yes, yeah, yeah, it works. It, it, okay. it'll, you just got to confirm it on your phone. Okay, so let's go <laughs> calls from any PC. Let's get started. Your Bluetooth is. I need to enable my Bluetooth. Your PC's Bluetooth is off too, so I need to enable that as well. And so it's connecting. No, it's not my phone. It's just I, I, I never, never used it. And I didn't realize it required Bluetooth to use. No, yeah, you, you did. my phone to call my computer, or vice versa. But it's working now. Try again. Okay, it's waiting for it to confirm. Carlos Office PC. It's pairing. Here we go. What? I hear some buzzing. There we go. It's enabling it. Pairing right now. Holy smokes. CJ, you, you're doing witchcraft. I love it. Yes. Connecting succeeded. Oh, my God. Close. Done. And then you sent the message in Telegram? Yeah. All right. Okay. Directly to him in Telegram. All right. Okay. All right. So let me open up Telegram here and dial this number, and then we'll get him on the phone just via via the thing on is my screen still up 
Yeah, your screen's still up. Okay, let me move that real quick. There we go. Crikey. Want to make sure I don't reveal his phone number to everyone. Right? Yeah. That wouldn't be good. Okay, and then I'll do screen share and should bring it in as long as he answers. Let's see what happens here. Fantabulous, CJ. Fantabulous. There we go. We're dialing it right now, V. Can you hear the call at all? No. I may have to mute my mic once I bring him in. We'll see. Uh, can we just stay on the phone? Is that cool? I can't hear you. We can just stay on the phone if you want and do a. Vo- we can just stay on the on the phone call and do it via voice only if you want. Okay, okay. Let me let me share a screen and make sure that V and the audience can hear us. So give me one moment and we can we can see if we can make. We this There's a way we can run this off of Zoom. We just got to figure that out. And then we can he can he can just call in the Zoom number for so for stuff like this. <clears throat> Do your thing, El Cuco. Bum, bum, bum. Okay, I may have to mute myself while you're talking to me so it doesn't echo to the audience. Martin, are you, are you there? Yes, I can hear you loud and clear, Carlos. Okay, you probably can't hear V, though, right? No, I, I can hear him. You can hear him. Okay, cool. Yeah, right now, right now uh, I can just hear you. You can just hear me, though, V. That's all. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the that's the, the downfall of it. That's the downfall. Okay. Uh, just go ahead and reconnect uh, yeah. via the... Um, the link, uh, Martin, for the time being, and I'll get something figured out here real quick. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just come come back in on that link. Okay. Okay. Thank so, you. Uh, yeah. Just click that link on Streamyard, but uh, see if you can shut your video off. I'll walk you through it once you come in. Hang on. Okay. I'm I'm going back on my video now. Something went wrong. The trouble is, I'm not sure I can go on my video because the whole system went down at my at my side, which is the same problem I had before with you guys. Somehow connecting with you folks knocks off the system at the same. I, I don't know how or why. And I was on a TNT show on Saturday on, on with my PC, and there was no problems at all. Okay. Um, let me see what I can do. This is okay. Okay, uh, V, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. You have your phone next to you, V. Yes. Okay, go ahead and answer. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring you into the conversation real quick. Okay. Oh, this is wicked. Okay, cool. Okay. Yep. Give me one second, and then we can just connect it and stream the. I think it's safe. Okay, hang on one second. KB, you there? Hey, see, try that again. Okay. Hang on, everybody. We're getting this piece together here. Okay, I'm dialing it right now. Okay, should be calling you. Okay, we all should be on the call now. We there? Okay, there you go. That's transformational in American history. He's a governor of a state. 
of a major state, one of the foremost populous states in the nation. He has high national States of America, and we thought it was enormous, with 160 million people. Well, the population of the United States has more than doubled in the last 60 or 70 years. That's phenomenal growth. But what this means is in our national politics, we need to take great care to get on with each other. We're not just divided between left and right, Republicans and, and uh, Democrats, conservatives and liberals. We are, have so many other divisions between us. We come from so many other different backgrounds and have so many other interests. So to be a national leader in the United States, you need a successful one, you need to be reassuring. Joe Biden talked the talk, even in the speech last week, but he's never walked the walk. You have to have policies which, even if they are divisive, will t take at least 60%, not 50, but 60% and maybe more of the country with you. Franklin Roosevelt was the most hated figure in American political history from the 1932, 34, and 36 elections. Yet he and his party won all of them by unprecedented margins. Because of the Great Depression, there was an overwhelming national consensus that there had to be reform and the nation had to be restructured and things had to change. That's what we're coming to now. Republicans are going to have to accept toleration from Democrats, especially on pri private social and sexual issues, I believe. And Democrats have to start accepting the slashing of taxes and the slashing not so much of vital public services, that the right to defend Social Security, the right to defend and ex extend medical care, if anything. But there are a million and five other feel-good things we do for the environment, for this and for that. And we simply cannot afford to do them, at least not yet. Very well said. Uh, I think I'm relieved it came through to your side of the phone. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Martin, uh, where do you see much of the conflict in the world, um, way things are going? It seems as if the powers that be, as they, you know, these globalists, these, these private interests, uh, these, you know, these people that are all part of this Pax Americana globalist empire, what do you think is going to do? It seems like you know they're losing a lot of traction. 
they're failing miserably in, in the and you know one of the things I've said and I think you said the same thing I don't think these fools could accept the loss in both Kabul which they lost Kabul back in October yes. and now it looks like they're about to lose Kiev Yes, I think that can easily happen. There are first-class American military analysts, usually now retired from the military, and significantly enough, you see them at the level of colonels, usually, rather than generals. There are a couple of generals, too, who point this out, and there's first-class military analysis out there for anyone who wants to look on the web. It, I mean, it's there. And uh, it's very clear that the poor Ukrainian people have been offered up by their own corrupt, incompetent government, which was not a democratically elected government, and by our incompetent people here pulling the strings in the Biden administration, except the strings haven't worked. The strings keep snapping. And it's exactly like you said. But of course, also, we have pushed against the Russians. We've squeezed. because of the memory of it, and rightly so. But there's one thing no one can come back from, and that's full-scale nuclear war with Russia or China. And insanely, not only are we provoking the Russians, we're provoking the Chinese too. And our political ruling class despises the Russians, and they underestimate them. And that's very, very dangerous. I've covered Russia. I've worked professionally in Russia. I've worked professionally with, uh, with Russian news organizations. That doesn't uh, mean I uh, b believe everything they do or say. But uh, on the one hand, I believe we can work with them. And I don't advocate disarmament for the United States of America. I advocate more armament, but more effective armament. We waste incredible amounts of money, but we need hypersonic weapons uh, if, if, since they have them already. Of course, we need hypersonic weapons. But we under, uh, right now, Biden and his people and the Republicans, too, are talking about China as the great enemy in the future. Well, in the future, that's true. But the British economist John Maynard Keynes rightly said in the 1930s, uh, you know, when he was told, you always take the short term, why don't you take the long term view of the world? And Keynes replied, because in the long term, we are all dead. We have to take care of our immediate problems now. And the immediate threat to American survival now is provoking a nuclear war with Russia when we do not have to. And we're in great danger of that because of our forward policy in Ukraine. No, I agree with that 100%. Anyway, King, King gets uh, dumped on by a lot of people, uh, especially in the King was some sort of old economist. He actually wasn't. He was actually a major proponent for the classical gold standard, which ran from 
uh, I believe, uh, 18, uh, 1857 to 18, uh, till about 1911 uh, or 1900. I don't exactly remember the dates, but when Keynes mentioned that old barbarous relic, he was not referring. It's often misquoted that he was referring to the gold standard. He wasn't. He was not referring to the classical gold standard, but he's referring to this this chimera, this creature that was being postulated by the Bank of England, which is completely different from uh, what what Keynes was in his favor for. So a lot of people, he gets a lot of a lot of flack uh, for for that. But uh, anyway, just, I digress. No, no, I'm so pleased you said that because I come up against this all the time. Uh, please take and put out as a special just the, the last five minutes of what you just said because the whole country needs to hear this. Yes, absolutely. It's a, it, Keynes was a, he was a big supporter of uh, the gold standard. He wasn't in support of what the uh, bank, of, uh, you know, the BOE and the City of London and, and Wall Street was proposing. As, exactly, uh, exactly, exactly. And President Roosevelt was a great opponent of the City of London. In fact, this lies behind the hatred. Uh, Neville Chamberlain, the famous appeasement prime minister of Britain who appeased Hitler, he hated President Roosevelt. And the reason was that Britain, he tried to assert Britain's financial leadership of the world in a World Recovery Conference in London in 1934, I believe it was. It may have been 1933. But FDR refused to go along. He was determined to focus quite correctly on his responsibilities to the American people and uh, push for um, the economic recovery of the United States first. Now, not all his policies succeeded. Many did not. I would point out that American economic recovery only really starts in 1938 when FDR and his party lose control of the House midterm elections again. And this restores business confidence for the first time since the Great Depression. They had no confidence in Herbert Hoover at all, of course, and rightly not. But as a result, I was amazed as a young history student at Oxford to discover under first class uh, scholars, American scholars and teachers, that uh, U.S. economic recovery does not start with World War II or with even selling weapons to Britain and France to fight World War II. It starts well before that, after the midterm elections of 1938, because FDR lost and business confidence was restored. I had not expected to see that. When you research history like you research in science, you always have to try and keep your mind open for the unexpected things that are staring you in the face. Yeah, absolutely. So we have the elections coming up in just a few hours, uh, in less than 24 hours. What is your take, Martin? What is your take on what's happening? Do you think that we'll see some um, anomalies as we've seen uh, in in, in uh, uh, you know twenty twenty. We will certainly see anomalies and on both sides because this is being fought and it's not good for the country it's being fought way. But both sides see this as a zero sum election, as an existential threat, as the most important election in American history. Because it tempts uh, cheating, it tempts we even tell, 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 tell
I think there's going to be a very decisive Republican. And the reason for that is very simple, because inflation is high again, and gas prices are going up, and the Biden administration is totally out of touch with the needs of the country, and the border is wide open, and the Democrats won't do anything on it. Now, ordinarily, that should guarantee a Republican landslide. But then, of course, the Republicans had to go out and uh, drive to ban all abortion around the country. And I'm a social conservative on abortion myself, but I recognize the country is not that way. The way I think to defuse the abortion issue is to handle it as Kansas did, to handle it state by state. And notice Kansas is generally a very conservative state politically. But they voted overwhelmingly by referendum to legalize abortion on on that issue. And by charging in on that issue, the Republicans have alarmed an awful lot of people, especially ladies across the nation, from the way things have been for the last 50 years. They have presented themselves as the party of radical change and repression. And I think if you try to ban abortion and turn the clock back to before Roe versus Wade, it would be very similar to the disaster we had over uh, um, trying to uh, 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 to ban out- prohibition, uh, trying to ban alcohol in the 1920s, from 1919, I think, to 1933, and with the Volstead Act. It, the Volstead Act was a joke. Nobody around the country seriously tried to put it into practice. We think of Winston Churchill as a, correctly as a great, not just as a great hero, but as a great figure of law and order. And whenever he came to America through the 1920s, he brought with him, uh, he, uh, he was determined to ignore prohibition and break federal law. And he did with impunity. He simply brought with him medical chips from some of the most prestigious doctors who were his friends in London, in Harley Street, London, which was their equivalent of the Mayo Clinic, I suppose, at the time, saying that for his health, he had to drink large amounts of alcohol, especially whiskey and other brandies and everything else every day. The point was the law became a joke because with prohibition, you were trying to impose and ban something that most people were going to do anyway. And that's what we see on the abortion issue, too. So if the Democrats can still win or hold the House or the Senate, uh, in t- uh, the election results tonight, abortion will be the key legitimate issue on which they want it. But apart from that, all other factors do point to, to a Republican landslide. But we'll see. Absolutely. In terms of economics, Martin, uh, what's your what's your finger to the pulse on what's happening? Unfortunately, again, here I'm also pessimistic. And again, I, I have friends, including one or two people who I, I recommend to you folks most warmly. Uh, there's a friend of mine who is such a conservative British financial analyst that even Margaret Thatcher was far too liberal for him. Uh, he was a merchant banker, and she kind of liberalized and deregulated the city of London, which made it more popular than even 70 years. Uh, but he uh, himself points out, he says Donald Trump had more to do with inflation even than the Democrats and President Biden did, because, again, he printed lots of money. So this is deeply ingrained in both parties. Every congressman and woman, even Democrats too, but especially Republicans, will campaign against inflation. Uh, 
but they'll never vote against any special spending for their own state or their own district. And that double standard has doomed us to 8% plus legal inflation. In real terms, because, uh, 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 because of uh, a, a change in the way inflation is measured that goes all the way back to Eisenhower, the real inflation rate is probably around 12%, because even the 8% rate does not include the things that really matter, food and gasoline. How can you accurately uh, predict the toll of inflation is taking if you don't include gasoline and food prices? It's ridiculous. Right. Exactly. Well, you know, that kind of blows away their, their you know, their fake mathematics that they're utilizing to cover up much of the, the realities that are the situation on the ground when it comes to inflation and real prices. I mean, it's it's it's, it's kind of like how they uh, engineer the entire GDP numbers. It's a joke. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, we've seen this since Bill Clinton put us into the world, put China into the World Trade Organization. And I'm not anti-Chinese. The Chinese rightly took every advantage of every trading opportunity that we and anybody else foolishly gave them, just as we used to do that too. And we were led by more competent leaders and more competent people. And it wasn't just Bill Clinton or the Democrats. George W. Bush was too stupid to know what was going on. He was chasing terrorists who were very often phantom terrorists in the back of beyond in the middle of nowhere, spending money like water. And he gave no protection for American industry when it was being decimated by Chinese imports over the, uh, during his time. And no president since then has been able to put the clock back. The first who tried was Donald Trump. And at least he tried. And as I said, he didn't succeed, but he pointed the way for his successors to follow him. Yeah, exactly correct. Um, one of the things we know about manufacturing is that once that manufacturing base goes, the knowledge goes along with it. Yes. Yeah. And this is the problem. Like, right, there's so much work that needs to be done to get this country back on its feet. It's, 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 it's terrifying, Martin. I look, why are you not chairman of the Council on Economic Advisors? Why are you not sitting on the board of the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank? And I am not joking. The answer we both know, it's because you are not a liberalized internationalist. You haven't drunk the Kool-Aid. And it isn't even a matter of conspiracy anymore. It's a matter of mass belief. It's like saying the world is flat um, in medieval times, or like uh, the famous astronomer and scientist Giordano Bruno said, there must be intelligent life on other worlds. And uh, the Inquisition burned him for that in the 1600s. The Catholic Church, uh, all Christian churches are infinitely more tolerant today, but economists are not more tolerant. They're not more tolerant at all. You cannot say that free trade does not work. I published a book on this with the historical facts on the matter in 2012. And again, you, it's got a terrible title, but it's still out there. Buy it for me, you folks. Don't just believe what I'm saying. 
It's not based on economic theory. It's based on historical economic fact. Every country and major country in history that protects its industry and manufacturers becomes wealthy and prosperous, usually incredibly bad. Germany, Japan, England, France in its day, Venice, the United States of America, now China. And every country that opens up to free trade, like France did in 1786, like England did in 1860, and that we have done in the past 50 years, since GATT, since the General uh, Agreement on Tariffs and Trade, which was the liberal dream of the time, they go down the tubes. But the elites don't care because they don't suffer. It's the working class people who suffer in the, in the farms, in the factories, in the fields. Absolutely correct. Uh, it's, it's a wealth extraction scheme. That's all what, what free trade is, wealth extraction scheme. Exactly. It, it, it only benefits the multinationals. It allows them to, like, for instance, when, when we have free, free trade between the United States and we will have, we'll have access to a, uh, a, a much larger, what, 19, 20, $30 trillion economy as an American working person has the access to the tiny economy of Chile. It doesn't benefit the working man. It exactly. No, it doesn't. It never does. You have these, I had an argument, a fierce argument at an Air Force conference a few months ago in Florida with a, a brilliant economist who's actually a very dear friend of mine, and we're both lifelong anti-communists. And we both are in full agreement on wanting to liberalize the domestic economy from too many controls, and we both believe passionately in the free market system. We're in full agreement. But he was a complete true believer in uh, uh, the theory of free trade. And he regarded, uh, I mean, he could easily have, even though we were lifelong friends, he could easily have burned me at the stake for being a heretic on this economic issue. And he gave me all his brilliant arguments. And my reply was, your arguments are like the uh, work wonderfully in theory, the only problem is they don't work in practice. We have the historical evidence. It doesn't work in reality. It doesn't work in the real world. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. And the next, you know, I mean, 2022 is coming to a close. What can we expect uh, as close out of this year? And what are some of the things that are on the radar screen for this coming year? Oh, I hope I'm wrong. I think we will get closer to nuclear war and confrontation with Russia over Ukraine. I think, as you rightly said before, if we lose Kiev, this may well, the Chinese may well go after uh, Taiwan. And again, Look, I grew up, and, uh, I was a shy, bookish, respectable little kid growing up on the tough streets of an industrial city that was drifting towards civil war in the north of Ireland uh, 60 years ago. I learned a lot from that. I learned to kick and bite and fight and run for my life. And I learned to fight whenever you had to fight. And I learned that only a fool provokes a fight when they don't have to get into it. We have provoked a needless, huge conflict with Russia. 
and simultaneously we're provoking one with China because our leaders have to be able to lecture the Chinese and the Russians and say how we are always right and everything and they are wrong. This is incredibly stupid. It is incredibly dangerous and it is the American people who are suffering. Look, on this point, President Trump is right. 100,000 Americans die every year from fentanyl overdoses alone. We have to stop this. We have to get our borders back under control. We have to get law and order enforced again in our cities. We have to protect our own people. And we have to rebuild our domestic industry. None of this requires conflict with Russia. None of it requires conflict with China. And it, it might, if we become too weak, we, uh, I'm not in favor of scrapping or weakening the armed forces of the United States. Not at all. But we have to put our own people and our own problems first. Right. It's a monumental task. It's a monumental task. Yes. I don't know if, 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 if the political courage is there. I don't know if the uh, uh, the strength is there to get it all done, and maybe uh, some hard times is needed to wake up the public, to course correct here, in the United States, to get us back and move in the direction. A relative of mine who has specifically uh, ordered me not to identify who they are when I speak in these shows, but made a very good, wise comment to me, and the comment was this. Hard times bring forth hard people. Hard people solve the problems and bring good times. Good times bring soft people, and soft people make hard times happen again. That's the cycle. And our problem, I think, is worse than lack of courage. We have a lot of cowards right now in politics on both sides. Who think they're brave? We think that they, we have so many armchair warriors ready to fight to the, the, to the, to the, to the last drop of blood of the last pro-Ukrainian. I think yeah. it's shameful for the pro-Ukrainian people. It's shameful uh, what they're being forced to, uh, to be put through fantasies. But uh, the biggest problem is not lack of courage. It's lack of vision. The prophet Isaiah in the Holy Bible, a uh, very famous quote, he says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, you can have good vision and you can have bad vision. We need to have new visions for peace, for restoring prosperity, for protecting our industry, for protecting our borders, and for defeating crime within our borders. And we can do that without resort to a world war or a civil war. This can be done, but there has to be open dialogue and debate in which enough people are convinced of the necessity for this. And the mainstream media is closed to this because they are stupid in their own minds. Nobody has to censor them. I've been in them for 36 years in this country myself. They censor themselves. It's much worse than this. If you had some individual figure, oh, big bad, George Soros, or big bad this and that. Of oh, course, we've heard this. Murdoch, just get rid of them or force them to retire or kick them out of the country. They'll all be different. No, everybody thinks the same way. Anyway, they have to be re-educated. And it's very difficult to open the minds of people really... whose minds have been closed oh, all their lives. Absolutely right. I mean, especially with... Uh that have been so ingrained by these think tanks. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and it doesn't it doesn't help. And, and it's 
We have a, a murderous foreign policy. We have an insane domestic monetary policy. I got it. We have a lot of work to do. Martin, we're at the end of the, of the hour. I sure. thank you for being on. I want to have you on again. And we're going to come up with a better technical solution, uh, perhaps, perhaps Zoom or something like that. Uh, you know, this way, and then we'll figure out how to. You know, we'll, we'll have a better technical solution in place the next time you're on. Once uh, to connect with you, I know tomorrow CJ is doing a live stream um, broadcast. CJ, we're doing that uh, election coverage tomorrow night. Yeah, CJ Blessing has already invited me on it. Uh, I've got other work to be doing there, but at least I can uh, I can hopefully give you some tasteless jokes <laughs> in, in, the, in the worst Irish tradition. Yes, <laughs> definitely, Martin. Thank you so much, friend. I would appreciate you, my dear friend. Thank you again. It was a pleasure and it was a privilege. Thank you. Absolutely. Have a wonderful day. See you, man. Bye. Oh, thank God for good friends. Hang on. Okay, guys. All right, please.